Tooth Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. You can find us on iTunes. You can get us on your podcast app. Uh, subscribe to us. Like us. Like us a lot. Click on it all the time. Share it with everybody. <laughs> like you have nothing better to do but y- yes. like us a lot. <laughs> yes. I heard I heard from some... Oh, by the way, I introduced my sidekick, the Blisterious one. <laughs> Bliss, welcome. Thank you. And we'll get into how to reach us. But I just have to relay a... Uh, a, a message I got from somebody that that some guy truck driver in the Midwest was listening to one of our podcasts. <laughs> Why? And got some information that uh, that helped he and his wife get pregnant. Amazing! Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I just have to wonder about the guy. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed. Um, I wonder what information that helped. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into the details too much, oh, but okay. it was just cool. uh, it was very interesting news to hear, and it was sort of exciting about that sort of thing. That is. So uh, anyway, um, I'm here with Bliss. You can find me at askdrstew at gmail.com. and my website is www.birthinginstincts.com. And Bliss, I think Instagram is probably the best these days. Oh yeah, you can at, private message yeah, me at birthing instincts for me too. Uh huh. Birthing bliss midwifery, but um. Birthing bliss at hotmail.com is my email if someone wanted to send me a private email. And what's your email. website? Birthingbliss.com. What's yeah, Birthing yeah. Bliss Midwifery? That's your... Um, that's me on uh, on social media. On social media. Yeah, okay. just so that people know I'm it's just You know what? We have so many handles right now, it's just hard to keep track of. It's better when they're all the same, I know. Yeah. So it's sort of a gray day outside today, and you're dressed appropriately. I just want everybody to know. I kind of rolled down a bed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm in and my you're wearing gray, And you're wearing gray, so it's perfect. <laughs> And blue. It's, uh, yeah, it's a perfect uh, fitting for a perfectly sort of gray day. So how have you been? Um, I've been good. I had some time off. Uh, I go back on call next week. But You've so been off call? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing to turn, literally turn my phone off. Or I was, in, um, I was in the forest at a wedding this weekend and I didn't have to worry about my phone dying or if it was right next to me the whole time or, you know, anything like that. I wasn't getting any service anyway. So it was great. Sometimes I go hiking and I have my phone and I'm so worried about, like, can people reach me out here? And it's lovely. Yeah, and and yeah. I also went to Catalina for a day, um, sat on the beach. And I went to the... Nice. Did you fly or did you go by boat? I've never flown to Catalina. Okay, because, you know, they have a little go. airstrip there. Yeah, I've never I used done to fly that. there when I had my plane. Yeah. Yeah, it's 22 minutes from Santa Monica. That's pretty cool. They're closing that airport. In Santa Monica, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. The the, the, the itty-bitty-nitties. <laughs> we talked about this, I think, on one of our previous podcasts. I know I've talked about it enough times that, that people buy property near an airport and then complain that there's noises. Mm, I got used to it. I lived right behind it yeah, for years. But if you buy a property near an airport, there's noises there. Is it the crashes though? There's been a couple crashes. Maybe yeah, it's more the, about the crashes. Yeah, but you so don't buy a house near the airport. Then. I guess <laughs> maybe they're cheaper. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I you know I used to live in a in a in a horse area in Brentwood, and I think I might have told this story too. I've been talking so long for so many years now. I'm reaching an age where I've, I'm repeating myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so forgive me, my listeners, please, uh, if I do repeat myself or start to mumble, but. Uh, no mumbling. <laughs> yeah, there was a newscaster from Channel Four News uh, back in the eighty, late eighties, early nineties, when I owned property in Brentwood, and uh, he bought a house in horse property near a, near a, uh, a guy that boarded about twenty horses for the local kids in the area that used to board their horses there, and then he proceeded to file a complaint with the city that it smelled too much like horses. <laughs> What did you call them? Itty bitty nitties. Nitty, yeah. Just, <laughs> I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, he 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 is appropriate for that. Oh, title. he was totally appropriate for that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's dead now. So, mm. yeah, that happens to all of us though, too. Yes. So I have to ask you some questions. Um, have you? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit on one of the podcasts about uh, the movie that Claire was the technical expert on, mm-hmm. and I saw it. Five feet apart. Cried my eyes out. Yeah, I me too. I did. I cried my eyes out. It's, you know, it's, it's a really nicely done story about cystic fibrosis, obviously technically accurate. A lot of it was very um, accurate, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's another heartbreaking, heart-wrenching <laughs> story, but I really cried my eyes out when, because the guy in the movie was an artist and he drew the lead character and he drew 
pictures for her and that's how she mm-hmm. would remember him. Mm-hmm. And at the end they had a picture of Claire. Yeah. Yeah. Drawn by <laughs> by the same artist, yeah. Yeah. It was a, a Justin Baldoni is the director and uh he's become a family friend. He was at the hospital with us when Claire was passing. Um and had done a mini documentary, a show called um my last days, I think it's called. And that's how they met. And he started asking her some questions about romance. And um, she's the one who told him about this, you know, that they have to be five feet apart and can't really, you know, hang out with it was, kids. Is, is it really six feet apart and then they changed mm-hmm. it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't okay. know that. Well, because in the movie, it's six feet apart mm-hmm. and they just to be radical and wanted to break the rules. Oh, they did. Changed five. it to five feet mm-hmm. apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because that's his about as radical as they could get. <laughs> How much they were willing to push the envelope. Right. So she she never had a love affair with um with a, a CF CF. Well, she was, but she was what eighteen? Twenty one. Well, she was twenty one. Oh, yeah, she okay. was twenty one when she passed. She had love affairs, just not with uh with anyone who had CF. But friends. Is it is it, is it less? Is it it's safer to have a love affair with a non CF person? Yes. For a CF person than with another CF person. Yes, right? because you can pass the different bacteria to each and, other. And what was the, I couldn't understand to. in the movie what the name of that bacteria was they kept talking about. Do you know? I don't remember. It was it was a very f- complex name, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. rattled it off so fast several times that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of had a nickname for it. In the movie, and mm-hmm. I really never knew what bacteria it really was. Yeah, I don't remember, but the, but you know they're susceptible to lots of different bacterias, and because they're in the hospital so much, and then they can pass it to each other, and they're very vulnerable to any. Anyway, it's in theaters now. I yeah. highly recommend it to everyone to go see it. Please, please support the film. Right. Yeah. And then you can uh, also, if you have, don't have another million charitable donations to make, you can donate to Claire's Foundation. The Claire's Place Foundation. Claire's Place Foundation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. No wonder I've been donating to the wrong place all this oh, time. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> um, I just heard that her, uh, her they made a documentary about her, a full-length documentary that um, was just purchased and will be out in September. So we'll look nice. forward to that, too. Mm-hmm. Are you in it? I don't know. Oh, were you ever around when they were filming? I don't think it, that one in particular, no. Okay. Yeah. All right. Have you seen any other good movies lately? Because I, I, I have one, another one I want to talk about. But I took Grant to see, I think it was called The Mustang. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Pretty violent for Grant, though, right? You know, he's 16. He's, he, All right. He's, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was like our first real artsy-fartsy film. Like we went to the Lemley and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was into it. And uh, it was a good movie. I really, it's a really I good really movie. It's, it. it's fairly violent. Uh, it's about a prisoner who... They do rehab with with uh, mustangs. It's actually a real program that goes on mm-hmm. in several states. Mm-hmm. And the uh, I thought the acting was tremendous. Whoever this guy was, I yeah. have no idea who this the guy main, is. The main, He's character. a foreign uh, foreign actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, but that pretty violent. Uh, I saw a movie that's very very controversial and is sort of getting shadow banned or banned on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. But I think even no matter what your position on the issue is, I think it's really worth seeing because. I'm very critical of how movies are done technically, uh, when especially when it comes to medicine. But the movie's called Unplanned, and it's about mm, um, I didn't see that. Uh, a woman who worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years and then had a revelation and decided to become pro-life and changed her whole position on it. Hmm. And it presents, I, you know, look at, I'm who I am. I do what I do. I do what I do. I'm questioning, I'm, I'm going, I'm questioning myself now, but... But I, but I think that anybody, even if you're pro-choice completely, uh, it's worthy to see it because it, it it does paint Planned Parenthood in a little bit of a corporate business um, uh, negative mode. But it certainly does. It, but it it paints the and it paints most of the protesters in a fairly Christian, uh, uh, mm-hmm. respectable mode. It does talk about the the, the shooting of a abortion doctor and. The, that sort of thing. So I think it's very fair. It's I think it's very well done. I think it's a movie that should be seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, <laughs> what's funny about it? It was paid. It was uh, partially produced and paid for by the My Pillow guy. I don't know who the My Pillow guy is. Oh, how can you be the only person on the planet who doesn't know the My? John, do you know who the My Pillow guy is? John doesn't oh. know either. <laughs> Thank you. You're not the well, only. Well, clearly person you don't watch a lot of sports or anything on TV because uh, the, the, every ad 
I don't watch any sports. Well, there you go. Because every <laughs> ad is a, is a 60 second ad for mypillow.com oh, okay. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I just think that was a good movie. And then I also saw, maybe, uh, you know, I've seen a couple other movies lately that are that were fun to watch. I thought Fighting with with My Family. We talked about that one. Yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about that in the last mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, What's the one where the, the um, Avenger is, a, is really a, a male, but it's played as a female? Oh, Captain Marvel. That's what I saw. Yeah, what'd you I- think of Captain Marvel? I, mm, it's not your genre. It's not really. It was. Yeah, I really thought. Good. I thought it was fine. I thought it was for what it's supposed to do. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I thought Brie Larson does a good job. I think that the you know it's a special effects movie. Really, I heard there was controversy around that too. About making her a female. Yeah, and you know. So what? At this point, who yeah. cares? <laughs> who cares? But you know where I saw it on Cat on Catalina Island. Oh, the, I probably, the little theater there yeah, in Avalon. I wouldn't have probably gone to see it, but it was playing. They, at only, the, it was the only, they only have one movie there, I think, don't they? Or do they have? Yeah, more they than only one? have one movie, and it's yeah. in this yeah, that beautiful old. Um, yeah, that it was old a casino. Thing. Yeah, well, well, was that whole place was owned by Wrigley? Yeah. Uh, the guy that made the gum and the guy that owned the Chicago Cubs for a really long time <laughs> at Wrigley Field and all that. Yeah. Same people owned that whole space in Catalina Island there. Yeah, we took a, a lot little, of history there. A little cart up and went by the house did you see any of the did you go see any of the wildlife like the little mini buffaloes or anything like that i didn't see any buffalo okay they have like we were not really pygmy buffaloes but they're not big they're small (laughs) we were hoping to see a buffalo but we didn't yeah yeah where'd you go out of san pedro no because it wasn't convenient enough in terms of the times oh so so where'd you go from long beach oh from long beach Mm -hmm. yeah Great. So those are let's those, see. That's our movie reviews. That's the uh, yeah, it's Dr. Stu's <laughs> movie reviews. Let's see. Did I see anything? I saw Dumbo. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, you know what? I it's my Tuesday thing. Yeah, I know. You have a movie theater across the street. Across the street, it's it used to be seven dollar Tuesdays. It's now nine dollar Tuesdays. Mm. It's typical inflation. inflation. And, but I go in the afternoon because I'm off, and uh, everybody else I know is working. Yeah. So I go to the movies, and uh, the only one I hadn't seen was that I wanted to see was Dumbo, and I. I saw it and it was, it was good, but it's like you really can't take a five-year-old to it because no. it's Tim Burton and it's dark. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was done by Tim Burton. Yeah, there's 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 some like scary parts and there were some scary parts in the original one. Too. Yeah, well, all Disney films have those scary parts, mm-hmm. like the separation of the kid from its parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at least in this one, I don't know if in the real Dumbo the mother is comes back or not, but. I won't give it away. Spoiler alert. I was like, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Um, Okay. And what about births? Have any births? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, let's see. I had a um, breach this week. Oh, this is a a good story. Um, This is a couple that a couple years ago lived in Santa Barbara, and they were in labor, and they were only 35 and a half weeks in labor with their midwife, and that's against the law in California. So the midwife called me, and I drove up and sat on their couch. And they had 35 and how many days? 35 and 5. And how much did the baby weigh? Six pounds. Yeah, okay. Plus. Which, you know, a couple of years ago, that would that not have been a problem for us, but okay. Well, it wasn't a problem in, for anything other yeah. than the law, so yeah. I went up and I met them. And since that time, they had moved to Bend, Oregon, where they live now. Mm. And uh, they were going to have a home birth with midwives up there, or a birth center birth, I can't remember. I think a birth center birth. And anyway, of course, what happens to them at uh, 36, 37 weeks? They have a breach. Baby's breach, mm-hmm. right. So they have a version and it's unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. So they contact me and they say, uh, are you available? I say, yeah. And I said, okay, we're going to come down and we're going to get an Airbnb. And I said, well, just come down first and let me see you. Let me take a look at the baby, even though everything you're telling me from the, what the other doctors had said or midwives, that the baby's in the proper position, the head's flexed and all the things that we need to have. But come down just and before you book anything, just come down and uh, I'll see you. So I met him on a Sunday at the office. And uh, everything was great. I think that was just a week ago Sunday. So what's t- what? Let's see. Today is it, so it's like I think they've been down here for ten days. Okay, they're just and hanging out and waiting now. They were well. No, they now they've had the baby. Oh, so okay. they had the baby two nights ago, mm-hmm. and um, it was great. Except that the baby ended up having a, a nuchal cord times two and a half, and the baby's heart rate was fine. This is the kind of thing where you have to be prepared for this stuff because it happens with head down babies. It happens with anything. And suddenly, uh, which he's beginning to push, and the baby's still at like plus one station, plus two. We tried to have her labor down. I mean, she was laboring down, laboring down, but she could not resist pushing. pushing. Mm-hmm. So she still had a little cervix around, but she pushed past that. 
And uh, the baby's heart rate then, then went up from like 140s to 180. Mm. And stayed up at 180 for like five minutes or so. So then we turned her over off all fours, got her on her back. And because we also started to hear variables with each push down to about 90. Mm -hmm. And I've been through that before. I have post-traumatic stress from some bursts in the past. And I just wasn't going to let that go on very long. So, you know, some people ask, well, why didn't you just change position? Why didn't you give her some oxygen? I'd like to say that oxygen in labor doesn't help the baby. They do it in the hospital all I know, the time. but it really doesn't help the baby. Fetal hemoglobin is already saturated. Even if the mom's PO2 is slightly less, it's saturated at a very low PO2. So giving oxygen really barely makes any difference, but I think they do it because it's always been done that way. It's one of those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was not a situation where we were going to see improvement by changing position or doing anything else. Just wanted to get the baby out. So we, she pushed really hard, gave her a tiny little bit of fundal pressure, got the baby's butt out, and then it just came out real easily. Mm -hmm. And then the head, of course, re required the Marcel Smelly Vite maneuver because now she's on her back. And... Um, which one is that again? The f sort of the f fingers on the malar prominences and one finger in the in just in the lower mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was hard to flex the head because the cord was around the neck a couple mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. But we got the baby out. Baby came around right away. It was great. Had apgars of they? seven and nine. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. Weighed eight and a half pounds. Eight and a half. Right. So can we go back for a second? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> you said that she couldn't resist pushing. Uh, she's a multip, yep. right? And she had a little bit of cervix left. So don't you think that 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 with a multip cervix that it would just kind of pat? That's no real concern with them. Well, pushing. it was pretty swollen. Oh, it was swollen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but we still. I wasn't going to keep my fingers in there pushing the cervix down, and it doesn't work as well with the butt trying to reduce the cervix, in my opinion. Oh, for breach. Then with the head, the head mm -hmm. when it slips over the head, it's like a turtleneck slipping over the head. But mm -hmm. the butt is sort of taper the button legs, True. and so it's really. So yeah, you know, we just let her. We just let it because there was no hurry to do anything until yeah. yeah until the baby started to tell us that you know what I better get out of here because I'm not liking it here. Yeah, but if she's having the natural urge to push, that's what I, I think that was more what I was asking Well, it wasn't about. behaving so much like a multip as you'd expect, because usually when a multip has that incredible urge to push, you know, and I know we've seen videos and stuff, it's like two pushes and yeah, the baby comes, you know, out, to, like, out to the belly button. Or like our kitchen birth recently was like that, remember? She barely pushed. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where were we for that? Um, in West LA. Oh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. One of your repeat clients. Yeah, she had a breach with her first baby. She did. But this one was head down. She did. Yeah, so no, I, I've been uh, normal busy. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of twins coming up. I've been contacted by, I'm getting contacted, it seems to be more from people out of state looking for options. Not necessarily wanting to f do what this lovely couple did and relocate to LA, but I'm just hearing so much that there's just no options out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I am doing lots of seminars coming up. Uh, again, we, I talk about these every time. There's a calendar on my website on the events section. Uh, and the next one we're doing is in Salem, near Salem, Oregon mm -hmm. on June 2nd. And most of these get sold out. So, cause I can only limit, to, uh, you know, I try to limit it to the hands-on part to no more than about 20 people. And we always end up with 25 or 30, mm -hmm. uh, cause you know, me and the midwives who plan it don't know how to say no, really, because we want people to learn this sort of thing. Right. Um, and then you and I are going to be doing a, a podcast with the the VBAC um, link, link people, mm -hmm. uh, and we will post that when it's supposed to be on March twenty third. At it's going to be live, I think, or no, we're just recording it, right? April? Excuse me, April twenty third <laughs> from seven to eight p.m. our time. But I think it's not live. No, I don't think it's live. You and I are doing something live, but it will probably be done by the time this yes, podcast gets recorded. It will. So you will, we'll, we'll, we'll have hopefully promoted that well on social media, and you guys will have caught that too. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Well, we'll probably do them again if it seems like they're um, popular. Um, it's a live. It's our first live webinar, um, and the topic that we're doing this one is is home birth for me, and it's it's intended to give people information about uh, the 
the safety and validity of home birth as a choice and whether or not you're a good candidate. And we'll also talk about um, different birth options and, and the pros and cons of those as well, like birth centers and un- unassisted delivery and hospital births and all of that. Right. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And if it seems popular, we'll do, the, we'll, we'll do them, as you said, we'll try to do them more and more. Yeah. I, I would I, I would love to have interactive things. I would love to have people be able to call in. I think we'll work on that. Let's try the webinar stuff first and see how that goes and then um and then we'll we'll see what we can do about that. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Except that, you know, in order for people to call into the sort of the, the Dr. Seuss podcast, have we'd, have to, we'd have to schedule them and mm-hmm. we'd have to do more of them. Mm-hmm. Because we only have a limited amount of time when that we That means do you'd have podcast. to pay me. <laughs> yeah, well, we're still looking for a sponsor, by the way. Anybody listening? Doesn't cost much. Pretty cheap. <laughs> Pretty cheap. We could advertise you. It's We're getting more and more listeners all the time. I know. It's exciting. Yeah, I wish I knew, I wish I knew how many. Uh, there's no way to do that, huh? No, there's no statistics? No, not because there's so many forums to listen on. So we have no way of keeping track. Hmm. And we, when somebody clicks on it, we don't know whether they actually listened to it or they just clicked on it. Mm. I don't think you can tell if someone listened for one minute or, or 44 minutes. That's too bad. They should, yeah. that, that, they should be I'm sure there are, you know, for way. people that have expensive podcasts, they probably can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> one, on day, one day, one um, day. So I wanted, to ta- I wanted to say a couple of things real quick. Um, one is I had an inquiry yesterday from actually a, a previous sanctuary client who ended up with a C-section and um, was talking to me about maybe doing some... Uh, monetary support for her yep. and um and the the more we talked the more it seems like she really really wants to have a home birth again <laughs> but um so we'll see what happens with that but she said she's been really looking at trying to find good statistics about comparing VBAC statistics of home birth versus hospital birth and she said she really couldn't find anything that that did side by side and I thought if if there well, isn't the, anything, maybe we should. Well, we there really should kind isn't anything look. that does side by side because then you'd have to randomize people. You'd have to have people in the same group, some randomized to hospital VBAC versus home. So you only you can do is compare one study to another. Yeah, one study to another, uh-huh. and of course that's very difficult to do because uh, methodology is always different. Mm-hmm. But the MANA stats are the, probably the largest group of of VBAC stats in the United States, mm-hmm. the Midwives Alliance of North America, and they had a ninety three percent success rate. In their VBACs. Oh, and yours is like 85? No, mine was over 90% in my first paper. Okay. I haven't really tallied them since that time. But, uh, well, 85 is good. And 60-ish for well, No, it depends on hospitals are really, some hospitals have a 17% success rate. Well, let's see. Sure. And some, oh, hospi- and really some hospitals have 60, 56, 60, 70%. The NIH says that it should be around 70% for people with a one previous low transverse C-section. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where that number comes from because when I did when I went to Maryland to speak before the legislature in Maryland when they were considering allowing VBAC for their midwives in Maryland, um, the I did some research and the best institution in Maryland for VBAC was Johns Hopkins in Baltimore and they had like a 24% success rate. Mm. And that was the best. And, you know, I think that that's probably just that they get nervous, right? I mean, wouldn't you say? Well, I just think it's a, it, it goes, it's it. the same way, it's, whether it's a VBAC or a regular birth. Remember, we don't think there's a big difference between the two. Right. It's the model by which they're cared for. I if, remember that. If you have somebody who's restricted in movement and constantly interrupted and in an anxious environment and, and not allowed to eat and uh, that sort of thing, then you're going to have a lower success rate for any type of vaginal birth than when you allow them to move and be free and leave them alone and and uh, uh, eat and drink as they please, change position, get in the water, that sort of thing, you're going to have higher success rates. So yeah. I think in, by definition, you're going to have a higher success rate at home, which of course is never something that's counseled by an obstetrician when they talk about the risks of VBAC. They talk about only the risks of doing a VBAC um, out of the hospital as, oh, you're not close to an OR, this could happen, this could happen. But they never talk about the benefits of the of doing a VBAC out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And in terms of rupture, do you know side by side? Do you know any statistics of one versus the other? Oh, I would probably... I no, would I don't. Same, I, I would think they're right? the same. Yeah. Maybe slightly higher in the hospital simply because the hospital... Can augment. There's more, there's more use of augmentation, although mm-hmm. Pitocin has been shown to be safe 
for VBAC use. Mm -hmm. It sometimes is overused, mm -hmm. if I can say that in a nice way. It's, you know, people are pitted to distress sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, agreed. And it's a different, it's not a real natural thing to do. Uh, it alters the, I think it alters the onset and the intensity of a contraction. I think they come on quicker. Uh, the, the, the curve of the contraction, if you look at an IUPC monitor, mm -hmm. I think the Pitocin contractions seem to rise quicker overall. Not always, but that was my impression. I haven't, obviously I've been out of the hospital for nine years. I haven't used an IUPC in nine years. So Right. Right. Well, women's experience is different for sure. Tell me about that. Uh, I haven't personally done it, but from the women I've supported, they say that the intensity of the contraction is much different um, on Pitocin versus um, our natural hormones. Which then leads well. them to request an epidural, which is why yes. Pitocin most, epidurals are almost, most do. almost yeah. in, uh, synonymous. Yeah, right? most do. Um, the other thing I wanted to just kind of talk about quickly was that um, I had a client in our childbirth education class who was pregnant with the breach and was, you know, one of her desires was to have the baby turn so she could have a vaginal delivery. She, we, you know, I directed her towards you and um, the documentary from Dr. Berlin and everything so that she could educate herself on a vaginal breach, but she just wasn't comfortable with it. Yep. And what about, what about with the option of the hospital vaginal breach? Did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Because we have a couple options here in LA. Yeah. Many cities don't have any, but we we Definitely. at least have a couple. Definitely. She just wasn't comfortable with vaginal breach in general. So, um, but she tried a uh, version, version and it was not successful. And then she went and saw Dr. Brock and I think it was a couple weeks later. And, you know, we usually say the longer you wait, the baby gets bigger. It gets harder to turn the baby. But he was able to turn the baby. So Oh, so he tried a second version. He did. Yeah, it was, was a different a provider. Was um, she a Primep? Primep. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's unusual. Most most of us think that if the version fails once, you should probably don't try it again. Yeah. So I it, thought that was good for people to hear that sometimes it can happen. Well, and a lot of it has to do with the skill of the person that did it. So mm -hmm. potentially he may have known the person who attempted the first one and said, <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to do it. Right. Right. So yeah. good for Dr. Brock. Yeah, good for uh, Shout out to Barry Brock. Yeah, thank somebody, you for... Somebody I've known since 1982. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that he's still offering, he and Dr. Shavira are still offering uh, vaginal breach deliveries in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we got to get to the topic that... that, okay. that uh, I didn't know we had a topic. <laughs> well, we have the... Yeah, you did. We talked about it before. Oh, yeah. It's the one topic that, that still is, is, is going to tie into some of the posts that I've had lately and certainly the blog that I wrote uh, a week or two ago by now. Um, on the I meant to read your positions for You haven't read it yet? I haven't read it yet. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, Bliss has not read my blog, and as of this morning, Bliss had not <laughs> subscribed to my podcast, our podcast. All right. I, what kind of a sidekick are you? <laughs> I didn't even think about subscribing because I listened to it on our website when I go back and listen to them, so I hadn't even thought about it. But yeah, I, but that's by subscribing, it gives us like I another another click or I something. I know. That was silly of me. Yes. Don't do what Bliss does. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do what Bliss says, not what she does. That's right. <laughs> okay. So I went to the Physicians for Informed Consent meeting, as hopefully everyone who's listening by now has read my blog. And if you haven't, you go to uh, the Birthing Instincts website, click on the blog page, and then it's the very first blog. That's it's the most recent blog that I posted. It was about the meeting that took place there about um, uh, current updates on vaccine safety. Uh Physicians for Informed Consent is a group of caring, concerned physicians who, you know, mostly pediatricians, but there are also people like me. And then there are also people who are, you know, other healthcare um, uh, professions that, are, that can join. And what we do is we, we want to advocate for truth. All right. And was this California or every, from all over? Were oh, they, this is, in, this is, uh, uh, California, it's all over. No, no, it's all okay. over. Yeah, okay. But we, you know, the focus right now is on is on California, you know, and there, and and what what we talked about is, you know, they've been labeled a anti-vax group, and a, you know, they they the pejoratives come out. I don't really like that term. It's horrible. I just have to say, I I, I well, no, but it's meant it's meant to 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 um, uh, make your make you take away your credibility. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a pejorative term that's used by people who are uh, pro-vaccine or pro-pharmaceutical company or whatever else mm-hmm. to belittle you. Yeah. All right. That's typically w- what they do. So I, I have not vaccinated, but I am not anti-vax. I believe in choice. So I'm just going to say that. Right. And so do, so do the PIC people. They really want it to be fair. Um, one of the things that's a, that uh, I'm trying to remember who said the quote, because I'd like to give them credit, but I can't. But it, it goes like this. We're each entitled to our own opinions, but not our own facts. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's only one set of facts. Mm-hmm. You can have your opinion about them, but you don't get to make up your own facts. Mm-hmm. And what's happening in the vaccine d- discussion, as in many other discussions, is there's polarization and people then will cherry pick the facts that they like and they'll ignore the facts that they don't like or they'll, or they'll make up stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll be fake facts. Mm-hmm. You can, rather than fake news, it's fake facts. And that's what's happening with the vaccine industry. Um, How do we decide what are facts, though? Because we've talked about it a lot on the podcast that, you know, that's based on research that can be skewed depending on who's funding it and, and how it's looked at. So how do you, how do well, you okay. actually decide I, I, what I can is tell you fact? That, I can tell you that it's not a fact to compare a vaccine to another toxic substance and then say the vaccine's as safe as the other toxic substance. In every other science, you do, you do the medicine versus a placebo. Mm-hmm. Vaccine industry doesn't do that. Okay. All right. Secondly, to de- to for the CDC to put out a statement that vaccines do not cause autism. Yeah. All right. Just, it just flies in the face of so many parents. You, it's, you know, when I used to say the plural of anecdote is not data. All right. Yeah. But what, you know, what happened to uh, my body, my choice? What happened to the, all these women that are telling stories of their kids were perfectly normal and got vaccinated and then it happened? Mm, just give me goosebumps. A friend of mine told me a story recently. Um, I'll keep it anonymous, but ultimately that, that her child was 18 months and got a, uh, they were from another country, but they're living in the United States and they were offered three different, uh, three different vaccines at the same time. And she said, no, no, I'll take one. So they gave. So she agreed to take one vaccine. They took one vaccine. That night, while she was sleeping, the kids. The kid generally sleeps through the night. That night, she just woke up for no reason. She went to check on her baby, and the baby was having a seizure. Mm. And they did CPR. They called nine one one. Went to the hospital. Uh, they, they got the baby stabilized. They, and I don't know this to be true or not. This is again second, third hand information. Mm-hmm. But when the doctor asked if anything had happened to that kid in the last day or two, and they mentioned that the baby had been vaccinated that day, the doctor just blew it off like the baby had eaten broccoli that day. Hmm. All right, Didn't even write it down that that was a potential hmm. cause of the problem when that's the just... only possible cause of the right. problem. Right. All right. Yeah. So, so many people will call their pediatrician after a vaccine and say, you know, my kid is lethargic, his arm is swollen, he's got a low-grade fever... And the pediatrician will say, you know what, just give it a day or two. It's probably normal. And then it goes away. So that reaction never gets charted. It's never documented. Um, But we all know that when people have an allergic reaction, it's not generally the first one that's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. It's the subsequent ones. Like exposure to penicillin when somebody was penicillin allergic the first time, you might get hives or mild rash. Take it a second time and you go into anaphylactic shock. Right. So if they had charted it the first time, then they may. Yeah, I'm I'm mixing. This is not the same person, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. They don't record this. They blow it off. And for the ER physician or whoever it was, for them to not even think that there was a link between the two, Mm -hmm. or to leave the mother with the impression that there was no link between the two, what's the purpose of that? Why are they doing that sort of thing? So when you talk about facts, Bliss, you you say, okay, well, the fact is my kid was normal, and now my kid isn't normal. Mm-hmm. All right. The fact is that, that these vaccines are being tested against other toxic substances or other vaccines, not against placebo. Fact is that if anyone read the package insert on any vaccine, they would never, ever consider giving that to their child, let alone a pregnant woman. Right. But they do that. Right. Um, so, and, and then the fact is that, that these vaccines... In 1986, 
when the law was passed that protected vaccine companies, pharmaceutical companies, being sued. from being sued, mm -hmm. and they created the Vaccine in Injury Compensation Program. All right. There were 11 vaccines on the um, schedule. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now there are 72. All right. In 30 years, they, they've gone up to 72. There, according to Robert Kennedy Jr., there are 273 vaccines in the pipeline. So I've seen him speak, by the way. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and, and he's knowledgeable. And he, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Right, and he's yeah. not crazy. Yeah. All right, and he's passionate about Very passionate. this because uh, he obviously he's spoken to family after family with problems. Mm -hmm. But if the, if the research could be shoddy, like certain vaccines, like the Hep B vaccine mm -hmm. that we give to all babies, we don't. That was, well, <laughs> that is recommended to all babies. Uh -huh. Was tested for five days. It went through five days of research, and they followed the children who got it for four days, and then it was approved. And we're injecting. And there's it never been a vaccine that's been approved that's ever been taken off the market. Wow, that's that's interesting. And if you look at the people on the vaccine. You know, and the government, like the CDC stuff, it, it's so incestuous mm -hmm. with the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, that they go back and forth. That people, when they leave the CDC, they get a they get a high paying job with a pharmaceutical company. Now, you know, I, I we live in a free country; people can do what they want. But ultimately, the appearance of impropriety is important, mm -hmm. and it's a super appearance of impropriety when people come out from working for the government and then go to work for the company that the government was supposed to be overseeing. And then we pass a law that says that everyone has to do it. Well, that's where it gets crazy because mandates destroy medicine. Mm -hmm. It makes doctors into agents of the state. Right. And, and screws up your Hippocratic oath and your doctor-patient relationship. Yeah. Mandates destroy medicine. And if vaccines are so good for us, why do they need to be mandated? You know, in the paper I talk about, you know, we don't mandate safe sex. We don't mandate orange juice. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe we should. All right. <laughs> you know, we could get rid of that stupid HPV vaccine, which is really a, a, a fraudulent vaccine. Yeah. And it's, it's hurting more people than it ever will help. I mean, this is a vaccine that you give that has significant side effects and potentially can cause problems, severe problems, lifetime autoimmune problems. You're giving it to prevent a possible disease that might occur 30 years from now, which is treatable. And the body sometimes cures it by itself. Yeah. Right. But you're giving it to nine to twenty-three, nine to twenty-six-year-old women, and now boys. All right. And every year, there's four million new babies born in the United States. And then, not to mention the rest of the world, but so that's four million new people that are going to be getting seventy-two vaccines in the next eighteen years. A lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you look at, and then look at. I, I'd like to say my my pediatric colleagues are are all. Um, altruistic and, and uh, have no um, ulterior motives, but many pediatricians, especially in large groups, are paid a bonus if the higher percentage of their kids that they have vaccinated. Hmm. Plus, this logic would state in the private sector, why do kids go to see their pediatrician? Because they're sick? No. Oh, for vaccines? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. If they if they didn't have the vaccine schedule, how often would you take your kid to the pediatrician? Yeah. Well, I I rarely do. Rarely. Yeah, right. Rarely. It's rare. Uh, for for uh for them to go to summer camp, I had to go. <laughs> well, yeah, if they need a physical if they there's a, but if they other need if there's another mandate that they need, you go. Otherwise, it's really you rarely go. Yeah. Okay. We're so uh, so I mean, uh, how does a pediatrician make a living? If you rarely go. Yeah, good point. So their incentive is to say this vaccine schedule is really important. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how they ignore the fact that many, even, even if it's 2%, 3%, of 5% of, people who, of kids who get vaccines that have, uh, that have adverse events that occur afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's obvious. If you really look at it, it's obvious that some children have have a reaction and and many many do not but one of the things that i love i don't know if she made it up or not but augustine says you know where there's a risk there must be a choice and i that i you know i just think that's a simple way of saying it like, well there states like be. california and i think oregon and some other states are, are are coming really totalitarian in nature 
I mean, they took away in 2014, they took away the ability for have a religious or personal exemption for vaccines. And now they want to make every exemption only, you can only get an exemption if you meet one of the contraindications listed on the package insert. And that every exemption needs to need, in California needs to be approved by the California Department of Public Health. In other words, the, the, the government has to give you permission to the doctor has to give the doctor permission to write an exemption letter and the government will then keep a census of everyone who's got an exemption so the, the government will then have every every kid's information mm -hmm. all right and this is being proposed right now in sacramento by this dr pan who was the i don't really understand him very much i i would love to ha be able to have an hour of coffee with this guy Come on to and, the podcast. And see what Dr. makes him Pan. tick. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't understand it. I, I, I think you can be a zealot for health and stuff like that. But you can also, as you just said, as Augustine said, there, there, there are problems with this. And so mm -hmm. what happened to the parental rights and bodily integrity of, of our individual? To mandate that you put something in your body that has chick embryo in it and bovine serum and and all kinds of ingredients in the, in the thing, the blog on, uh, I list the, the uh, ingredients in the MMR vaccine mm -hmm. so people can just read it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Great. And how many of us would want to put that in our six month old baby? Or ourselves, well, <laughs> but especially a baby. Right. Yeah. And if people don't f stand up and fight this stuff now in their own state, and you can contact your state legislatures and you, and people really should, uh, if you don't fight that now, you you think it's not coming, it's not going to get worse. That yeah. that eventually it'll be adults, yeah, and you won't be able to renew to. your driver's license, or you won't be able to get a passport, or you won't or be able to do anything without. Yeah, you'll yeah, mm -hmm. you won't be able to enter enter into a public area. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's a thing going on now someplace in Rockland, New York, where where there's a bunch of Orthodox Jews who aren't vaccinated, and apparently there's a measles outbreak, and there's been a hundred and some cases of measles in the last six months or something like that. Nobody's died. Mm -hmm. Right. But now they, the, the county commissioner or whoever it is, I can't remember which official, I don't want to get it wrong, but some official has ordered a, a quarantine. So these kids are not allowed for the next 30 days to go into any public place. Mm. I'd rather do that than not. But how do they vaccine. know? What, are you going to have to walk around with your vaccine card in order to go to the shopping mall? We'll probably end up having like, you know, the scarlet letter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean... Where, where, where is this all headed? Yeah, it's a slippery slope for sure. And that's what I said when it was, when it was passed, you know, I really tried to get people to pay attention. We were very, very upset that, you know, that that could pass here. Um, and again, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just, anti I'm just pro-choice. Well, there's enough evidence to make people <laughs> nervous about the vaccine schedule. You know, uh, my friend Paul Thomas and Jennifer Margulis had written a book called Oh God, what's it called? Um, it's called the Vaccine Friendly Plan. Mm -hmm. And there's a link to it on the blog, that sort of thing. So it makes maybe gives you a way of getting the vaccines. Again, they're labeled as anti-vaxxers and they're absolutely not anti-vaxxers. And they suggest an alternate schedule. An alternate schedule, mm -hmm. not so heavy. Not where There's one point in the, in the current vaccine schedule where a baby gets six vaccines at one, t one visit. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, I'm trying to think of the dad. I can't, for some reason, he told me this story in the last week or so, but the dad told me that he went for a visit with his kid and um, they wanted to give the baby six vaccines all at once. And he was like, mm, no, I don't feel comfortable with that. And then the doctor like really pushed it and said that he had to. And he said, I'm going to let you inject my, my kid with six vaccines, but if anything happens to him, I'm coming back and I'm going to like you know, kick your ass or whatever he said. And the doctor backed, backed off. He just was like, okay, let's start with one or two. And he goes, okay, good idea. You know, um, that he couldn't stand behind that nothing was going to happen, I think was an interesting thing too. Well, none of us can stand behind anything that we do that's nothing's going to happen. But, but clearly right. if the father wanted to give one or two, why, why argue? Yeah. I don't know. I think that people say that they don't, people don't come back or something. And that's that, not yeah. your problem. Yeah, it shouldn't be. So unless there's a financial incentive or something else incentive for this doctor to do it by the book, and I believe that there is. Mm -hmm. I believe that they, these guys get reviewed by, the, especially if they work for an organization like Kaiser or something and they don't follow the Kaiser 
you know, scroll, mm-hmm. then they get, can get reviewed. It can affect their bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah. So speaking of informed consent for our providers that are listening, um, I think it would be great to send them probably to your blog and to this book. But normally what I tell people is, um, you know, I, I don't normally talk about my own private choice because I think it can influence people. And I think it's a very private decision. Um, but I definitely tell them that they should do their research. Um, the Dr. Sears book on vaccines is really good. And then also, um, oh, her name is escaping me right now. The one that was a homeopathy uh, pediatrician here. She's got a book too. Can't come. It's not coming to my brain right well, now. Well, if we figure it out, we'll, we'll mention it in a future podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so. But to if do, anybody knows, by the way, you can send us an email and we'll we'll write it in. To do uh, Fetter. That's it. Lauren Fetter, oh, um, who passed away. She yes. has a vaccine book as well. Um, and I loved to, her. Yeah, to do your research and that to find a pediatrician that supports your decision if you feel like you want to do a delayed schedule or um, you know handpick based on what's happening in your family history that that's a really important choice when you pick a pediatrician is to find somebody who is aligned with well your and values. not only but but even worse than that in the totalitarian nature of what Sacramento is doing here in California is that even if you decide that eventually you want to homeschool mm-hmm. it's it's it, the, the ability of your kid to go on a field trip to go anywhere is going to be hindered if the state has its way. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm not telling people that they should move out of California, but maybe you should move out of California. <laughs> um, or if you're thinking of having kids, you, you can have them here and then, and then have them with Dr. Stu and Bliss and then, and then move back to Arizona. Or uh, Arizona is actually trying to take, take some of these mandates off the books. Good for so Arizona. So kudos to Arizona. Yeah, good for Arizona. Um, one other thing, too, that's important about this topic is that uh, we are finding out that there are genetic markers that make people either more susceptible to being injured from a vaccine or something being called a vaccine non-responder. MTHFR. That's one of them. There are, mm-hmm. Several of them are mentioned in the blog. Mm-hmm. And what people can do now if they want to, I mean, it's a boon for these companies that do genetic screening, but, but you, can, you can do a, a swab on your baby or on, your, you know, on you and your partner or just on your baby, you can do a cheek swab and you can send it in to certain companies. I think... If, you know, Ancestry.com, I think, does one, but I'm not promoting them, but there's other companies. But you got to make sure by looking at the blog which of these uh, gene markers you're looking for and make sure that the test you're ordering online carries and looking for those gene markers. Because if your baby carries one of those things, then it's more likely that you can get an exemption mm-hmm. and it's more likely your baby will be injured. And if it carries certain ones, then it means that, that they're vaccine non-responders. So then you're giving a vaccine to a kid with all risk and no benefit. Right. So you don't want to do that either. So, so it sounds like pretty much that's going to become fairly routine uh, for people that can afford it. it. Unfortunately, a lot of people can't afford that testing. And but, it's not it's not covered, probably. Oh, it's probably not going to be covered. Uh, uh, you know, insurance, it should. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Medi-Cal will probably cover it either. But well, Medi-Cal probably wouldn't know. And it should because fi- over fifty percent of babies in the United States, in in California are born uh, on Medi-Cal. Mm-hmm. That's interesting statistic. Um, so do you know how early the, the, they're doing this test and how long it takes to get it back? No, I think, I, no, probably a couple of weeks, just probably t- similar to the, the test that we do, uh, the NIPT testing that we do. Mm-hmm. It's sent off, or the council blood test where you screen the parents for things like cystic fibrosis and all those other little 189 other markers that, that no one's ever heard of mm-hmm. on the well, test. Well, that's good, though. That's a reasonable amount of time to, to wait to delay your vaccines. That's great. I like that information. Yeah. And if it, but I, and also, just, just for parents, if you, if you want to get a vaccine exemption letter, uh, a couple important things. You want to find a physician who's going to follow the rules properly because you don't want to put your pediatrician at risk. Right. Uh, if your pediatrician just is one of those people that just says, okay, fine, I'll write you a letter, um, that's not going to cut it anymore, and they're going to come down on him. Um, the medical board is trying to make an example of Dr. Sears and other people that that have been fighting for, you know, informed consent and personal choice. Yeah. And uh, one of the things they mentioned, the lawyers mentioned at the meeting was that that they want to protect the physician's ability to continue to practice. Yeah. And the state is coming down with a with a heavy foot. Yes. So, uh, well, okay. So I think we beat that topic to death. I think that people need to understand <laughs> that I'll say it one more time that mandates destroy medicine. Yeah. 
and you need to fight for individual bodily integrity. I mean, what happened to, you know, my body, my choice? Yep. You know, why is it okay for some things, but not for other things? I love that list you read last time, too. Which list did I read? It was about vaccines, about like, why why is this, remember that list? Why is this important? I told you, I don't remember anything anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You had a list about all these sayings that, you know... In terms of like you'd eat organic food, but you might. Oh, that, yes, that thing that was going around Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the other thing I would talk about too, that Robert Kennedy was, just the last thing I'll say about Robert Kennedy, because for me, it was an honor to hear hear him speak. Mm -hmm. I'm not of his technically political persuasion, but I was a fan of his father and his uncle, of course. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and if I could have voted when I was seven years old, I would have definitely voted (laughs) for them. But (laughs) if the, yeah, if the Democratic Party has its way, pretty soon seven-year-olds will be voting, so we'll be in good shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, he was actually shocked that it was the Democratic states that are actually doing this totalitarian yeah. stuff, and I wasn't shocked at all, but he was really pissed at Adam Schiff. Okay. Uh, I don't know who Adam Schiff is. Well, see, you don't know who Adam Schiff is because you don't follow the Russia bullshit. <laughs> but um, Adam Schiff is the leader of the House Intelligence Committee, mm. and he's a local c- congressman from the Burbank area here in California, and he sent a letter to Facebook and to Google asking them to ban any any information that was not pro-vaccine. Oh, yeah. I think I saw something about that that was a threat. And, and Kennedy just called him out on it and said, that's just really un-American. That, mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't stifle. That's not how we, that's not how we win our arguments in the United States. Right. We don't stifle debate. We don't, we, you know, we, we win our arguments based on our facts. Mm-hmm. Not our opinions. Not I'll say it again. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but not their own facts. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Thanks for going to that meeting and writing the blog and bringing this all to the surface. I appreciate. Yeah, it's it. not something I really wanted to really get involved with, but it really, it really got me riled up. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's enough I get riled up about with Birth World. Yeah. And this was something different, but this affects all the families that we meet. Yeah. But I think if you inform yourself about some of this stuff, you just, you know, like you turn a blind eye and just listen to what's happening on Facebook and the little snippets and stuff that we get. That's not enough information. You have to really dig in a, a little bit more. And when you do, it is really shocking, you know? Right. It's really shocking. I just don't want to see kids injured for nothing. The diseases that we're yeah. treating with these, all these multiple vaccines are less severe sometimes than the vaccines. I mean, rotavirus doesn't kill anybody, okay? It, and, and yet we have that on the vaccine schedule. There's other things too. Giving hep B to a newborn baby is one of the stupidest things you can ever think of. <laughs> and yet okay? we're doing it. Yeah, giving yeah. Tdap and flu shot to all pregnant women by, was recommended by ACOG in the third trimester, which is their, their, their which guidelines. Which is not proven safe. It's yeah, the package insert safe. says it's never been tested in pregnant women. So, yeah. you know, how, how do they come out with these blanket statements? I just, I don't know. I, li- I, I don't live in a world where people can be so certain where the CDC can say it doesn't do this. I don't know how you ever do that. That the science is settled. Well, how many times have I heard that stupid thing? Anybody who says that, I mean, the sun does rise in the east, and I think we've settled that, but about that's about <laughs> that's it. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back. Uh, this has been podcast number 142. Wow, 142. And we'll be back with 143 uh, soon. <laughs> so find us at uh, iTunes or your, you know, like Bliss now. You've subscribed on your <laughs> podcast app. Follow Bliss and subscribe. Write me at AskDrStew at gmail.com. Write Bliss at? BirthingBliss.com. Oh, that's my uh, website, but BirthingBliss at Hotmail.com. So you're catching my absent-mindedness. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye.